0: Well, hello and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. Now the e-commerce podcast is all about helping you deliver e-commerce Wow, well, and to help us do just that. Today, I'm chatting with Donna von der Heide from Parcel Perform about the state of returns, how to protect your business and the environment. We're getting into all things delivery. We're getting into all things returns. Not a usual conversation for e-commerce podcasts, but one we definitely need to talk about in the e-commerce world. Let me tell you a quick story uh, why I'm excited about this conversation. When I figured this out uh, for one of my own e-commerce businesses, we saved thousands. Let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) It was significant how much money we saved. So I know you're gonna enjoy this if you're involved in e-commerce. But before we get into the conversation, let me tell you about the newsletter. If you're not already subscribed, head over to the website, ecommercepodcast.net. Hit the button that says subscribe, put in your name and email address, and you will get the notes, the links, and all that sort of stuff sent to you free every time we broadcast. No, yes, it all comes to you and it's worth subscribing to. So make sure you do that. And also while you're there, check out the sponsor of this podcast. Yes, the fabulous e-commerce cohort, our membership group, where we do, we do amazing things every month. We have expert workshops. In fact, at the time of recording, uh, the workshop by Claire Daniels has just dropped on how to define your marketing proposition. Let me tell you what a great workshop that is, Claire's been a guest on the show. Claire Daniels from Trio Media. She talked about how to market to Gen Z, or Gen Z, if you're from the UK. Uh, and that was a great show. Lots of great feedback from that. And Claire kindly has come back to do some teaching on cohorts. So you're definitely gonna to wanna to check that out. Prices start just 14.99. There's a new uh, offer on because it's our first year anniversary of Cohort. So check it out while the prices is still low. Do come and join us. For more information, check it out at ecommercecohort.com. That's ecommercecohort, all one word, dot com. Okay, uh, forgive my cold, by the way, dear listener. Uh, yes, I have slightly nasal tones today because I've succumbed to that uh, most nasty of illnesses at uh, this time of year, man flu. I've not yet called the paramedics, but I'm tempted at some point. Hopefully, it won't be during the recording of this show. Uh, now, let's talk to Donna, the mastermind behind Parcel, performed a world-class platform tracking package from over not what packages the the information from over nine hundred and fifty. Because, you know, why not? Logistic carriers. Uh, As the founder and chief commercial officer, she's the globe-trotting trailblazer. The reason I'm slightly smirking when I read this is four hours ago, Donna was telling me she just landed back in from Singapore. So she's fighting jet lag at the moment. Uh, But we're going to get into (laughs) what's going on in the whole thing uh of packaging parceling returns we're going to pick donna's brains oh yes uh, and what's going on at parcel perform so donna welcome to the show great to have you how are we doing today
1: very very good matt really excited to be here and uh, yeah talking about something this exciting is gonna fight my jet lag very easily <laughs> <love it. laughs>
0: That's good news. That's good news. So, you've flown in from Singapore to just, if if people can't figure out by your accent, just let everybody know where you actually are in the world.
1: Yeah, I'm in Berlin at the moment. Uh, Unfortunately, really hard to hide my accent. So, I'm German, obviously. But uh, interestingly enough, two Germans started a company in Singapore. That's our head office. Um, Together with my co founder, Arna, we started PASPA from there.
0: (laughs) Two Germans. It sounds like the title of a book uh, Two Germans Starting a Company in Singapore. Uh, and um, it, it sounds like it could make a very interesting book so how, well, I had I guess there's a lot of questions involved there Donna like why were you in Singapore and why did you just, just decide to start a company while you're over there
1: yeah really good one uh, so uh, first of all I love Singapore just for the pure lifestyle of it uh, anyone that hasn't been it's like constant summer no It's an amazing season. place yeah yeah. yeah. So I really, really love it, uh, mm-hmm. but I was also very fortunate that um, my former employer, DHL, uh, actually sent me there in 2012. I then um, met my co-founder, Arna. we were working together in logistics and became really, really passionate about helping merchants grow their businesses. And obviously Southeast Asia was a, a really interesting place to start, e-commerce is growing like crazy, there's mm-hmm. a lot of mobile adoption customer experience. Um, Is in high demand, so it was our starting point um, to kick off the company. And by now, uh, fortunately, uh, we managed to grow quite sizably. So we have uh, six different offices and operate in 160 markets globally.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's quite sizable, I'll give you that. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, But it all started in Singapore. And you're right. I mean, for those who haven't been to Singapore, you should definitely put it on your bucket list. It's an amazing place. Um, I really like Singapore. I love the underground network how you can just sort of walk underground to pretty much most places in Singapore. It's quite an extraordinary thing to do. Um, But yeah, great, great city. So you were you were part of DHL. Did you say your former employer was DHL? Um, And so you went from that to starting Parcel Perform. Uh, Is that right? Or was that something in the middle?
1: No, actually, you're right. I worked at DHL, absolutely loved it, Uh, was part of their corporate strategy team, uh, working a lot on their global e-commerce strategy. And then Asia was obviously one of the focus markets. Uh, I got to travel Asia, had e-commerce merchants there when I was working at DHL. But then eventually, um, you know, the startup bug caught us all and we wanted to do something. That allows us to be a bit more dynamic, bit closer to the customer, uh, very much tech enabled, and that's how we decided in 2016 to start our own company.
0: So, what was the gap then uh, that you saw in the market? What was the? I mean, you're working at DHL; it's a massive global company, obviously German company, and you 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 get you get the entrepreneurial. Uh, Michael Gerber calls it an entrepreneurial seizure, which I think is such a great phrase. I have an entrepreneurial seizure. Um, And you obviously saw a gap in the market. What was the gap you saw that you thought, if I could just get in here, we can do some great stuff?
1: Um, Yeah, thanks for the question. I think one of the interesting things is if we think about track and trace, and that was the project that I worked on back there as well. Obviously, every carrier is giving you updates where your pass is. But the interesting thing is everyone does it in a different fashion, right? Mm-hmm. There's like all the different languages, all the different status events, all the different time zones, locations. So there's no global standard for how people convey the status of a parcel and we saw a lot of merchants trying to figure this out themselves and then if you're in singapore you know like i was a customer there and stuff comes from china it's all in chinese it's in a different time zone i don't even get it right like what happened to my past page something at an e-commerce website, but then no one is helping me to figure out when it's going to arrive at my doorstep. And that was sort of the inflection point where we said, okay, someone has to come in and streamline all this data and, you know, not just help the end consumer, but more so, even importantly, uh, is uh, to help the merchant. The a lot of so you want to make sure yeah. that you know where the is and can help your customers as well.
0: It's really, it's a really clever idea. And I'll tell you why. Don, as you're talking, I'm, I'm sort of listening and I'm thinking, I, we have, um, as the listeners will know, I, I run my own e-commerce companies as well as do the whole um, cohort and coaching thing and all that sort of stuff. And I, I get to listen to an, our customer service agents, you know, when they're on the phone to customers or when they're uh, looking at emails. And I'm thinking of one company specifically that does global delivery. So we ship from the UK all over the world. Apart from that, like, I think there's like one or two countries we don't ship to. Um, but on the whole, we ship all over the world. And the amount of time they spend. <laughs> so you, you ship a parcel to another country um, using a system here in the UK, uh, whatever system that is. Um, it gets shipped out. Obviously, when it hits another country, it then goes with a local courier. Um, who then has their own system and so they spend an inordinate amount of time from uh, people in, uh, overseas going where's my parcel you go right well we sent it from here to here and then the, and then you have to then contact that courier to go well where is it now and then the fight the last minute is the the time tracking international delivers spent by the staff is quite extraordinary so I'm really intrigued that you guys seem to have a solution for this
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, and it's so frustrating for everyone involved, right? So I think you brought up the customer service example that creates a lot of cost. You know, you usually get a call when the customer is already frustrated. So it's sort of a bit too late at that point, right? Mm. Then what we see, of course, is also the marketing angle. So, you know, and this becomes more and more important because everyone is building on customer retention everyone is used you take amazon right and i think mm-hmm. you speak about this a lot in your podcast as well is we are trying to recreate something that consumers learned at amazon where they check out they know exactly when the parcel will arrive they know exactly where it is and they don't have to go anywhere else to find out and that mm-hmm. sort of integrated on-brand experience is of course important uh, to make sure that they come back to your website and shop with you directly So that's a big aspect. But then of course, also why is Amazon doing this? Not just to be nice to their customers and build customer retention, but a big element is cost, right? So customer service needs to be more efficient. The logistics guys actually want to do performance measurement um, because they want to know who is actually the better provider, but all these reports are not standardized. So there's a, just heaps of intransparency that make decision-making extremely hard for e-commerce merchants, cost them a lot of money and has an impact on customer retention. So uh, all those, you know, we see as the key drivers why it's worth investing yeah. in this area.
0: It's a very good point. And I- I think part of the reason I think amazon do do uh, Amazon does this so well to reduce to reduce cost, but I think because many other people can't, it differentiates them a little bit at least we think we can't, right, which is obviously where you guys come in and help and it um I mean you made a comment there about how on if you go onto the Amazon website you order products and it says, this will be with you on this day. And it's usually pretty accurate. Right. And then on the day you'll get a text message or an email saying, we're going to be with you between, you know, three and four or whatever it is. And a lot of couriers now do this in the UK. I had some parcels delivered this morning to the house, got a text message. It's going to be with you between eight thirty and 10 30 this morning. And sure enough, it was pretty much all my, you know, and you can track the parcel, which is kind of cool. Um, so Amazon do this. It's not something I see on many websites outside of Amazon because it's very hard to predict when your parcel is going to arrive. Now, if you order in the UK, I can pretty much say, if you order it now, I'm going to send it out to now, the chances are very strong you're going to get it tomorrow, right? Um, because we, I'm pretty safe with what's going on in the UK. However, somebody from Portugal uh, orders the parcel. I have no idea when that's going to arrive. So how do I... How do I Well, I suppose my first question is, is it possible for me to have something like that on my website where customers around the world, we know where they are, uh, and we can say, right, if you're from Portugal, we think you're going to get it in six days.
1: Yeah, the easy answer is yes. Um, And quite a few people try to do it with rules, right? But Mm. I think that's kind of one of the problems and that's also why Amazon does it a lot better is let's say you have a contract with a carrier they usually give you a rule if you know my transit time to Portugal is three days so hopefully better depending mm-hmm. on what you negotiated there but the problem is that it's not just the carrier um, that impacts the delivery time it's also your warehouse right then let's mm-hmm. say it's a Saturday or Sunday or in times of COVID or peak volume It's all going to take longer. So, if you do a rule based, what we call um, prediction at checkout, which customers rely on because that's when they decide whether they buy at your website or somewhere Mm -hmm. else, they really just want to know how fast they can get it and which day exactly. then doing a rule based uh, has a big issue because that's usually too conservative. You know, no one wants to disappoint the customer. So that's how we see all this. Oh, in five to seven days, the five to seven days. You know, I don't know where I am. Maybe I'm traveling. That's not good enough. So what we are now doing, and, and that's the huge power of data. And everyone talks about machine learning applications and that kind of stuff. But they are really, really powerful to now create exactly this data point. So we are able even on a product page already. So before checkout, but then let this act checkout to give a day accurate prediction on when that stuff arrives. And that has a huge increase in your checkout conversion Mm. rate, which is exactly what you want to optimize for. And that's exactly why Amazon does it because with um, fulfillment, they have full control and they can exactly calculate that too.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic very, very good. And it uh, I can see the benefit of adding that to my website. You know, your parcel will arrive in however many days. One of the things that, and I don't know if you've got experience with this, Don, uh, um, I'm kind of curious. Since Brexit, right, let's talk about Brexit for a second, because obviously that was a big deal here in the UK and across Europe. Uh, if you're outside of the UK and Europe, Brexit was the time when England decided at about, I think the vote was like I don't know. It was 50-50 pretty much. We decided we'd want to leave the European Union. The implications of that was uh, sending parcels from the UK to Europe. Now, if I I send parcels all over the world, right, with our our e-commerce companies. It is easier for me to ship to the US and to Australia, and in some respects quicker than to ship to Europe, even though you know, I can throw a stone and I'm in Europe from the UK. Um, what's your, I guess, what's your insider information on shipping from the UK to Europe at the moment? Do you see it getting better? Um, and I guess, what should I think about in a post-Brexit European Union
1: yeah, that's the thing about predictability, right? Yeah, it's getting better. Obviously, uh, kind of uh, big messes are hopefully behind us, and uh, we have figured out what the rules are again, and the custom regulations mm-hmm. are a bit clearer, because I think that was the big knowledge gap first, and no one yeah. was prepared for it, to be honest. Yeah. It was pretty much a mess uh, in the first few months, um, and we see that stabilizing we still see the issue on both sides right so we have a lot of customer shipping from the uk inside europe well the other way around also is huge right we have mm. customers that have trade lanes going from germany to the uk for example and it just still is a little bit more unpredictable um, so i think what we see people doing is first of all a diversification of carriers um, mm. so if you think one carrier will help you to ship into every european market That usually doesn't work out well for you. So if you have a (laughs) volume, the best idea is to kind of look at uh, diversification there on the carrier setup. And then the other thing is, and that's why we believe in like the power of data so much is again, if you just use a rule and you say, okay, the last months it was like this, uh, so the transit time is going to be the same in December at peak. We all know that's never going to happen. And then if it's snowing, it's going to get worse and then is on strike as well and uh, you know there's so much um, issues that, that can potentially arise and even more importantly this is why we track every single parcel this is why we do a prediction based on every single parcel and also taking into account what happened to the previous parcels before so if yesterday yeah. everything went back in customs in a certain market and it wasn't a sunday because that's the rule they don't do it on a sunday then we see that there's probably a trend and we can then update our predictions based on that. But um, yeah, every market has uh, its single perks, if you want to frame it in a positive way. So um, best.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Has its own perks. I like that. Yeah, it it definitely has its own perks. The UK probably being the most perky of them all, I suppose, in a lot of ways. Um, So so yeah, it's a a very valid point, actually, I suppose what you're doing because you're I think I mentioned in the bio, there's like 950, I'm sure, you you know, carriers that you're connected to. You can monitor the data from those carriers. And I guess you can see where the hotspots are, where the problems are. Um, And also you get this predictability, which I think I like it. I like I think I can see how that's going to work. I can see how that would benefit my um, e-commerce business to have that predictability um, uh, on site so let's switch gears slightly because we we're also talking about returns. So this is sending a parcel out. Obviously the standard rules apply. Get it out quick, get it out right. Uh, and give the customer tracking information so they don't have to keep bothering you with, you know, trying to find the parcel. Um, but let's, uh, let's go to the other end of it. I've sent the parcel out. Um, I I'm going I ordered some trainers from a website um, called Noble. Uh, and I ordered some trainers from them. The prices were in sterling. I remember this, um, and so I just assumed, and bearing in mind, I, I know what I'm doing with e-com. I, I made the wrong assumption here, Don. It's totally my fault in a lot of ways. I assumed they were coming from the UK, and I assumed because the prices were in English, the shoe sizes were also the English shoe sizes. They weren't, they were US shoe sizes. That's not easy to say. <laughs> so when these shoes came over from the US, um, they cleared customs, but it just meant that they were taking longer to get here, longer than I expected. And of course, when they arrived, they were entirely the wrong size. So returning those shoes to the States was gonna cost me a small fortune, almost as much as the cost of the trainers. So I kind of went, well, I'll give the trainers away and I'll just won't buy from them again. And so they lost a customer uh, in, a, in a lot mm-hmm. of ways because of this return issue. And also because they weren't clear about where they were shipping from, but that's another story. Returns, let's talk about returns. So um, let's start at the top, big overview. Um, Obviously in an e-commerce world, you're gonna have to deal with returns. What sort of percentages of returns do you think we kind of have to deal with in various different industries?
1: Yeah, very, very different by industry. Um, also value of the goods really depends. Um, but of course, if we look at like apparel, um, now you, you look at about 50%, right? Mm. Um, uh, stuff uh, it's
0: really uh, Yeah, high, people
1: just is really high and everyone is struggling with it, which means, you have two options, right? And I have a lot of discussions with this, um, with the retailers it's similar to your case, right? Some say, okay, let's just make it hard to return something. Mm. Uh, so this doesn't happen, but that's just not the reality of business, right? That's not going to yeah. work for you because uh, you lose customers. And right now yeah. the biggest thing you have to optimize for in times where it's so hard to acquire new customers, customer retention. So you want to keep them in a happy journey. Yeah. So making it possible or really hard is not the solution. But if you make it too easy, you get too many returns. And then kind of facilitating a return is really, really difficult as well. So I think yeah, it's a, it's a fine line on how to deal with it, but um, our top recommendation, first of all, is to be transparent about what's your return policy, because already at checkout, you know, um, you spoke about the different generations that are shopping right now. Uh, if you look at Gen X, Gen Z, they probably just expect that it's returnable. Um, they also want a sustainable solution. That's a whole different area as well. But um, that's also why a lot of them don't appreciate to actually have a return label in the box. That's something that we now yeah. hear a lot about. So there's really a whole lot of debate in this, but um, our standpoint on this is let's make sure that return can in a way be a profitable kind of operation for an e-commerce merchants where you make sure that the way the return is handled from a customer perspective is a smooth process that doesn't encourage, over encourage them to return it, but makes it relatively easy to do it. So you don't, they don't stop buying from you. And then more importantly, we got to find really, really easy ways to make sure that you can handle the returns internally. And Mm -hmm. then it's. Bit of an ops setup, right? Whether you do uh, domestic return consolidation, um, you might resell it in the market, or you ship it back and bike to then restock in your warehouse. I think that's the logistics consolidation. But the part that we are handling mainly is to make sure that all the user experience for the merchant, but also for the um, customer, is working really nicely.
0: Yeah, well, that's top part But I remember. Um, I- I'm just going to tell all my stories now. Uh, you just you're triggering them in my memory, Donna um i ordered some shoes uh from a website called vivo barefoot here in the uk they're they're like a barefoot style shoe and they had this policy which says you you basically you you buy the shoe from them and if after the you've got a hundred days to try it right and you can wear it outside i mean they've made it so easy for you to get their product to try it and return it with no questions asked that i've bought countless pairs of shoes from. Because I know if I've got an issue, I'm going to send it back. And I've I've sent shoes back. Um, But I think as a result of their policy, my lifetime value to them as a company is quite high, um, because I'm buying shoes for me, for the kids, for everybody, right? You just buy them from Vivo. And they're not cheap shoes either. Um, So I I think a lot of their costing incorporates the fact that they've been generous, I think, with this sort of returns policy. Mm -hmm. And the other company that I've seen do it really well in the clothing sector is Thrudark. Um So Thrudock are a clothing brand here in the UK. And they've recently, I, th- I don't know what they've done recently in terms of whether it's an internal policy change or what, um, but I ordered uh, some clothes from them. I'd inadvertently ordered the wrong size. Um, and within three clicks, not only have I printed off a returns label um, I'm not paying for the returns. But they've sent me the right size out in the meantime. So they're not waiting for that one to get back. I oh, will send you this one out in the meantime. By the way, if you don't send us the other one back, we are going to bill you for it. Fair enough. But the whole process was done in such a way that I thought, geez, you guys are good. you know. And yeah. I think it, the lifetime value for me with ThroughDark is also quite high, much to my wife's... Um, uh, unhappiness in many ways. Why well, are you buying more clothes from 3Doc? Um, but it's, 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 part of it is because of this returns policy and, and the importance of that can't be overstated, right?
1: Yeah, 100%. And the question is, how do you make it available, right? So I think it all starts... What we do is we we first looked at click and trace, right? So let's see, you see all your delivery data within the e-commerce website, you know exactly when the parcel arrives, you get nice branded email communication, but then you want to return something. You don't want to go to a separate portal to then start a completely separate process. Mm -hmm. You sort of want to go to where exactly you already went in your order summary. You want to click a button. You want to select those items that you want to return. And then either you want a label, um, that's perfect. Okay, great if they do that. But if you, for example, look at Germany now, is there's a lot of QR codes, right? Because mm-hmm. not everyone has a printer at home. So you also, as a retailer, want to make sure that you offer all the different available services to this. If you have a high quality item, high margin, then you might even offer a pickup. Um, we see that happening as well so then you need to schedule the pickup time make it really convenient for your customers and all that needs to be an end-to-end flow in our experience within the same interface to make it really smooth for the customer mm-hmm. now now we could say okay it's smooth for the customer what does have the retailer to gain from it? visibility to also plan for your returns right because the biggest gap that retailers are having if the time between something is returned to hitting your warehouse is very long you might lose the opportunity to resell it right because then you're waiting to get surprised in the warehouse your warehouse workers are not prepared for it that's a lot of cost but it's also much later than back in stock on your store So by having end-to-end visibility, not just for your customers, but by them basically informing the merchants very early on to say, I have an intention to return this, by them making sure that as soon as they drop it off, the retailer gets an information back into their warehouse, because that's the point when you can put it back in stock. And then by giving full visibility end-to-end on when the return hit the warehouse, we can then also increase basically the, the payback to the customer, right? So you can do the cash remittance, which then increases the chance of you buying again. You're more likely to hit the, yeah, I want to buy the same thing in a different size again if you know that you actually have your money back and you're not just giving a free credit to an e-commerce store as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's really powerful. So who do you see doing this well, Dynamo?
1: Well, one example we already spoke about, right, Uh, the big marketplaces tend to have this uh, well covered, um, especially those that kind of operate their own supply chain. We see this also with quite a lot of merchants um, uh, doing it quite well in an integrated manner. I think that's great. Um, it, it really it really depends on uh, also their setup, right? Uh, we, we see a few merchants, we can now argue, we would love to get your opinion on this, whether they're doing it well or not, but there's a big trend also to charge for uh, returns in the hope that that, you know, on the one hand maybe stops the customer a little bit from returning too much and have a more deliberate choice when they hit checkout into not putting too many items in there Uh, but at the same time also of course to recover some of your costs Um, Mm -hmm. i think there's a big debate on what is the better solution Um, but i think we see the market moving to some sort of a customer kind of costing uh, to make sure that they understand that returns has a price attached to it as well and and for that you get the convenience of ordering everything to your house
0: yeah i I, i've seen that um donna you're right i mean i going back to the through dark example they clearly state on their website they're going to charge like a five pound fee um which in the grand scheme of things is not a lot of money but it's enough for you to make you go oh that's interesting you know um and change, I, I think it does change consumer behavior. Now, I have to say, to ThruDocs credit, whenever I've returned something, um, it's mainly because I want to change the size. Uh, and I think they've, whether they've got this internal policy which goes, oh, there's Matt, you know, Matt's, Matt's a good customer. We're not going to charge him the five bucks because I've never actually, I don't think I've ever paid it. Maybe I have and I don't realize. Um, and so, but I think just the language on the website, irrespective of when, whether they've done it or not, I think does alter consumer behaviour, um, and I think I, I'm thinking of a friend of mine, Jenny. Um, she Jenny's lovely. She's a paramedic. Jenny. She's in her mid thirties, um, and for the longest time was our lodger. She lived with us. She sort of stayed at the house. Just a beautiful young lady, and she would shop at ASOS all the time, right? So the big clothing company ASOS, and what, no joke, right? The, the the door would go, you know, there'd be a knock on the door and the postman looked like he was having a heart attack because he was carrying so many parcels for Jenny. And I'm like, how, what? And she goes, oh, I'm gonna send three quarters of them back. And it became this sort of inbuilt thing. It's like you buy loads, you ship a load back and you just keep one or two items. Um, and I think I think that is slowly changing and, and um, companies, like you say, they are realising we need to change consumer behavior here and one of the ways to do that is to introduce cost unless maybe you're some kind of member or you know some high value client and you don't get that which keeps you you know makes you feel a bit more special i suppose
1: yeah there's obviously also other cool ways to do this i just uh, also happen to shop at zara just lately and <laughs> they and the smart thing right where They basically told you when you add the same item, but in a different size, instead of automatically adding it to the cart, which you would normally do to increase the conversion rate, they actually introduced a pop-up where they say, are you sure that you need this item in both sizes? Here's our measurements guides or something like Mm. that to kind of prevent you um, to do that. So there's a lot of kind of smart things you can probably Mm. also do up front to see um if that reduces your return the other thing that i found really interesting and again going back to what you said earlier about gen z gen z um, they really care about sustainability right yeah. so i think one thing that we are also seeing is um the whole carbon footprinting um, element in this so if you are able to communicate this well and say you know like if you return an item, your overall shipment has a higher carbon footprint. If you order so many more mm. stuff, it's my pass it. That's going to lead to a sustainability impact. I think there's a new generation that actually cares about this. So there's yeah. quite a few yeah. new tips and tricks out there to encourage people to be a bit more mindful on what they put into their cart.
0: It's kind of like the hotel, isn't it? You go to the hotels and they've cottoned onto this by saying, if you leave your towel on the floor, we will obviously take it away and give you a new towel, but do you really need us to do that? And just that little card, I mean, just cut down the amount of laundry hotels had to do, you know, tremendously, and it's that kind of thing, isn't it, that, how do I nudge consumers to make maybe a more informed choice that's not gonna cost both the planet and me a a lot of money? that's very true. There's the whole sustain. How do you, how do you see companies um, work in the sustainable angle? Because obviously, e-commerce has its benefits. One of the downsides with e-commerce is everything is shipped. So if you're shipping out and you're also shipping with returns, you've got shipping both ways. There are some obviously, you know, there are environmental costs to this that we have to be aware of, and it is a bigger and bigger issue. Um, how, do you, how else do you see companies sort of mitigating this? I know, you know, we can do things like, do you really need the large and the extra large, Matthew, yes or no? You know, those kind of questions I think are quite helpful, but how else do you see companies sort of um, taking the right stance, I suppose, where sustainability is concerned?
1: Yeah, I think one thing that of course also helps is again, I'm talking about a diversification of carriers, right? So there's a lot more greener solutions now out there mm. that actually allow you to do, you know, electric vehicles. Um, if that's available in metropolitan areas like London, you see a lot of cargo bikes. So that could be a simply kind of first start to make sure that for the eco conscious customer, which are definitely on the rise, you at least offer this as an option and Mm. it's quite interesting we see that with some kind of especially higher value items people tend to opt for that you know you spoke about the metaphor in a hotel it's a bit like carbon offsetting on your flights you pay a little bit extra and therefore you get a green delivery Uh, you're Mm. surprised I was surprised to see that it actually works for some. And then it's just kind of incorporating it into uh, your entire packaging. Uh, of course, that's a big element here. Um, also the packaging of the clothes. Um, we see, again, quite some big fashion retailers, text, for example, where you don't get the stuff in like plastic wraps anymore, but it's mm. just the clothes basically folded into your box. And then when it comes to returns, I think one of the big things that we are seeing is this whole label provision. I think we briefly spoke about that, right? Mm having for every order that you ship this sort of label for returns already in the box, which is printed on plastic, which is like glued sticky paper that you then have to kind of ship with every time uh, that you have an outbound order and you just put it in there. I think we now see a very, very strong trend to say, okay, let's not do that. Because first of all, that makes it almost too easy to return it, but that's also not a choice let's rather have the customer inform the merchant that you want to return something which makes your planning a lot better because you know what's coming and then we can give them the label as a qr code or a printout version as well
0: yeah that's great it's interesting I, I i want to pick up on the fact that you said people are now paying for green deliveries which i have to be honest with you i've i've not seen a lot of yet um mm-hmm maybe it's a british thing maybe i don't know if this is more of a worldwide thing just talk around that a little minute so you what are, what are some of the things that you're seeing now
1: so i think the, the the main trend that we're seeing is that the bigger your kind of operations get the more you're trying to diversify your carriers right and mm-hmm. one thing is the element so you want to make sure that you know peak surcharges and all that You sort of want to have an option to move your volume somewhere else. I think that's a really big one. Then secondly, you sort of see a lot of performance issues, strike, winter, whatever is the issue. Royal Mail also had a fair share of that, if I remember correctly.
0: Every week. Um, Yeah, Yeah, that's every week. There's something going on. Yep
1: also probably good for you to make sure that you kind of have a little bit of alternatives there to work around that and then you get feedback from your customers and kind of that some also lets you choose maybe different options especially in metropolitan areas and i think Mm -hmm. yeah we see this quite heavily um all across the globe but the matter is always on whether customers are ready to pay for it or not so i Mm -hmm. think a lot have a good intention if it's going to be more expensive than the normal shipping then that's of course not widely adopted yet Um, but um, yeah there are some areas also in southeast asia where we see this working really really well and people just appreciate a different kind of delivery mode Uh, we see some experiment also throughout our customers to say hey if we deliver to like a parcel locker or something like that there's a lot of more convenience for you because you get it at any point in time. But maybe I can also get a better rate with my carrier. Mm-hmm. Plus, it seems like a more sustainable thing to do because the amount of re delivery deliveries goes down. Yeah. So a few options, but it depends on your customer um, uh, sentiments. And I think that's also why it's super important to ask your customers how they like their delivery. Right. Um, mm-hmm. We see a lot of. Merchants optimizing their ratings and their feedback for the products that they are shipping. But I think there's a big opportunity to ask your customers how they perceive the delivery and what they would like to improve or what other options they would like to have. And Mm. we have a customer, for example, Snox, a very successful brand selling like underwear and socks, I'm actually wearing them right now, and they realize that The best time to ask for feedback and to also get the best NPS score is exactly one hour after a successful return. But for that, you have to actually know, um, sorry, a successful delivery for that, you actually have to know when exactly it was delivered. But that then is the perfect opportunity to ask your customer for feedback and you can learn a lot from it.
0: Yeah, it strikes me. Don. I'm listening to you talk. Right. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, this is great. I could give customers the option to choose to have the green delivery, or um, I can send out an, an email saying, you know, my NPS email, like an hour after delivery. And then I'm thinking, that is a lot of work, because we cover a lot of territories. And I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, that this is where Parcel Perform actually steps in and goes, well, we figured all of that out for you, we can, you know, this is where we sort of separate ourselves, because it If I'm honest with you, I like the idea of a lot of what you've talked about. It just sounds like a technical nightmare, (laughs) you know, actually trying to make that work. 100%,
1: 100%, and I think that's a big challenge for all the e-commerce machines out there, right? You have so many good tools, they all sound fantastic, but then you have to integrate heaps of them. And usually those integrations also are not so easy to do, and we all don't have time for that on our roadmap. I think everyone has the same challenges there. And that's exactly why when we built pass Perform, we said, look, like, it has to be kind of an end-to-end solution. So we cannot just stop at you know, track and trace, delivery notification. It needs to do performance analytics. It needs to do the predict um, kind of uh, prediction at checkout already. And that's also why we are now offering the whole end-to-end suite for returns. So mm-hmm. uh, a customer comes on board with us, they integrate once, they mainly give us their tracking numbers and maybe the account credentials of the carrier if they want to get the labels from us as well. Otherwise we don't even need that. And we can just immediately get started. And I think, That's the that's a true power, right? And especially now in Europe, where we all talk about GDPR. I think we all also know it's better to not give your data away to too many different providers. And that's why we built a solution that can help really end to end and offer the full service range. And our customers don't need to do the heavy lifting. Once we have the information and tracking numbers, we can handle the rest.
0: Fantastic. I like how a part of your sales and marketing is GDPR. Because yeah, everyone just goes, oh, JPR, no. <laughs> I like that. Um everything, Donna, we've talked about so far, um, I can see it working for us because we ship like we ship a lot of parcels around the world, right? Um and it's a multi-million pound brand. What happens um it, everyone that listens to this show are at various stages of their e-com journey, right? So some people are $100 million brands, some people like me, are just a few, few million. Uh, but there are people just starting out, you know, or turnover, I don't know, 100, 200,000, somewhere around there, sort of a small e-com brand. And they're just getting going. Um, what's your advice to that group of folks because a lot of this stuff sounds great you know if i'm shipping out a thousand parcels but if i'm only shipping out i don't know 20 or 30 parcels does this all still work does it all still make sense or are there some different rules i should think about
1: yeah very good question first of all congratulations on building such a big business that's exciting um Oof,
0: i wish i could but, take the uh, credit <laughs> <laughs>
1: um but no i mean um what we're seeing right now is historically right we all thought that you know i'm gonna focus on customer experience on making that sort of differentiation later down the line once i have a lot of volume but we live in a world right now where acquiring customers is incredibly expensive, right? Mm-hmm. TikTok, all that, it just costs you a fortune. So the biggest lever you have to grow your business is building customer retention. For this mm-hmm. you need to expose your brand not just on your website, but also post purchase, right? All the delivery notifications and all that. And the second thing that you need to watch out for is costs, right? So Uh, you know, whether you ship just a few parcels or hundreds of them, a customer is still going to want an update on that. And do you invest in someone in customer service handling this? You know, what's the actual cost of losing customers because they didn't have a good delivery experience? Mm -hmm. I think we live in a time where there's just so much pressure in the market and, you know, so many best practice examples um, that we already mentioned that might as well get your business if you don't get it right, that right from the beginning, invest in building a brand post-purchase, invest in customer retention, make sure that you pick the right carrier and you know how well they're performing. And um, that already works with just a few parcels. And, you know, obviously, smaller brands usually don't have um, big IT departments. And that's why, for example, we have a plug and play Shopify app connector where You just press two buttons and it all automatically works without you actually having to do any sort of integrations. So we're trying our best to make it easy and accessible for every brand out there. Of course, the bigger you get, um, the kind of uh, more complex your kind of supply chain is getting. And that's why we also work with a lot of the enterprise Mm -hmm. clients as well.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Diana, uh, great conversation. I've got, as always, more uh, questions, but I'm aware of time. Um, and like I said at the start of the show, the reason why I find this sort of thing so fascinating, I've done coaching, e coaching with companies all around the world, right? Um, and without exception, uh, there, are, there are what I call seven areas of e-commerce that I think e-commerce entrepreneurs need to think about, one of which um, we call experience. And it's, the way we define it is, it's what happens to the customer once they have clicked the pay button right? So that you you do all of these things. We do marketing, we do optimization, all the things that we talk about, you know, and everyone's really excited about. And they've clicked the buy now button, you have got the order. So from that point onwards, what happens and defining that strategy and understanding that and being super intentional in that whole area? Because this is where I think over the years in e-commerce, this is where I think my personal e-commerce brands where we've made the biggest impact, if that makes sense, where we've we've seen the biggest sort of return on investment. And with that exception, every brand I've ever done coaching with, we look at that, okay, what happens now once I click buy? And there is always something to improve. There's always something to get better that people just don't think about. What a big one is shipping um, and getting getting the parcel out quick and getting it out right, you know, and then dealing with returns. And when we figured this out, we're talking tens of thousands of pounds. You know, it was the, the difference was night and day. Um, and so it's good to talk about it because I think it's such a, an important thing. Um, if people want to connect with you, if they want to find out more about Parcel Perform, if they want to reach out to you personally when you're not flying to Singapore, what's the best way to do that? How do they reach you?
1: Oh, I'm glad you're asking. Um, very active on LinkedIn. Uh, anyone can find me there. I really enjoy just exchanging thoughts. Um, you know, I'm very happy to get connected there. You just find me under my name, of course, also pass perform website, or you just follow us on LinkedIn as well if you want any updates there.
0: Fantastic. We will, of course, link to your LinkedIn and to Parcel Perform uh, all on the show notes, uh, which, uh, if you're subscribed to the newsletter, will be making their way to your inbox automatically. If you've not subscribed to the newsletter, you could have to go to the website to get them. So when you're there, just get the newsletter and they'll come to you automatically. Donna, listen, uh, it's been it's been great talking to you and and, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, And sharing your expertise and and bearing with me as I've sounded a little bit more nasal than usual Um, but it's been fascinating having this conversation lovely to meet you uh, and thanks for just bringing some insane value.
1: Thank you very much for having me Matt and thanks everyone for listening in as well for my end.
0: Fantastic fantastic what a great conversation. Uh, Are we do this now sorry Donna hang on a second let me get the thing set up. Yeah yeah. (laughs) Let's just turn that off. Okay, so thanks to Donna for joining me today. Also a big shout out to today's show sponsor, the e-commerce cohort. Remember to check out e-commerce cohort at ecommercecohort.com. come join us in the mastermind come join us in the membership be great to see you in there of course be sure to follow the e-commerce podcast wherever you get your podcast from because we've got some more great conversations lined up and i don't want you to miss any of them and in case no one has told you yet today let me be the first dear listener you are awesome yes you are created awesome it's just a burden you have to bear Donna has to bear it I've got to bear it you've got to bear it as well now, the e-commerce podcast is produced by Orion Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team, the wonderful team that makes this show possible is the fantastic and beautiful Sadaf Baynon and Tanya Hutzalek. Our theme song was written by Josh Edmondson. And as I mentioned, if you'd like to read the transcript or show notes, head over to the website ecommercepodcast.net where you can also sign up for the newsletter I've been talking about. That's it from me. That's it from Donna. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.